Welcome to the Dare to Multiply podcast. On this podcast, we help passionate Jesus followers become courageous, obedient disciples who impact their communities for the kingdom of God. I'm your host, Cynthia Anderson, a disciple multiplication coach and trainer. I'm going to show you how to make and multiply disciples in your area. God's got great things ahead for you. Let's dare to multiply. Have you ever wondered if the book of Acts is really relevant for today? Like the things that happened then, could they happen now? And what about the kind of crazy multiplication that we saw in the book of Acts? Well, today I'm going to be interviewing Steve Addison, my Australian friend, about his new book, Acts and the Movement of God. We'll be talking about how we can find ourselves in the book of Acts. And he has some amazing stories you're going to want to hear about what God is doing in the world today. Book of Acts kinds of things that are breaking out in places like Los Angeles and places like India. You're going to be blessed to hear this podcast today. Are you busy but not seeing the fruit you long for? Dissatisfied with your present level of impact on those around you? Or frustrated with traditional methods of discipleship that don't seem to be effective? If so, the Getting Started in Disciple-Making Movements course may be just what you need. Inside the Getting Started program, you'll get access to a step-by-step proven approach to making and multiplying disciples. Not only will you receive 25 short and practical video teachings spread out over six modules, but you'll have a chance to connect with others for group coaching via our monthly Zoom calls, and even more importantly, you'll become part of a global community of like-minded people from all over the world who are passionately committed to following Jesus and impacting others around them. If you want to get unstuck and begin moving forward as a disciple who makes disciples, I encourage you to go to courses.dmmsfrontiermissions.com and sign up for this powerful program today. And now to today's episode. I am here with Steve Addison. Steve, so good to see you again. Welcome. Yes, good to be together. Yeah, and I'm just so glad to have you here on this Dare to Multiply podcast. And we are launching here just as our first few episodes. So you're one of the first who's going to be speaking to this audience. Really, really glad to have you on. And um, I've talked to you a couple of times, always learn a lot. So welcome. Uh, Steve, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're an author. You've written in the disciple making space for quite a few years now. Um, tell, introduce yourself to us, would you? Sure. Well, I got my call to, to, to movements uh, when Michelle and I, my wife and I, a uh, very long time ago, were involved in our first church plant. And um, just in the second year of that, just Lord made it really clear, Steve, it's not just about one new church, but a whole new generation of churches across the land and, 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 and beyond. Um, so, you know, that, that came as I was engaged, thinking we'll plant a church and let it grow. And um, the Lord got my attention and said, you've, you've got to see this through movement eyes. And I didn't have the language or the understanding fully to, to know what was going on. But that's the path he's had me on now for goodness, that's over 30 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Well, I think we had sort of similar timeframes when we got started in this journey. 
And it's been fun to see how it's grown and developed um, the whole understanding of disciple multiplication and that uh, churches and groups can multiply and see generational growth. And you wrote, what was your first book? It was uh, what, what Jesus Started uh, and, you know, the five characteristics of, of, of movements that spread the gospel. Okay. And uh, so that came out of a number of years of, of training others, of reading and learning and watching what was happening around the world, of diving into the scriptures. And, you know, it was just five things, as simple as that. Um, you know, everything from white hot faith, to commitment to the cause, rapidly mobilizing uh, workers, contagious relationships for evangelism and 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 then finally adaptive methods that the methods that we we use are effective and easily transferable so right. that was the first book and the first uh, one. was wow. a real yeah buzz to to get it out there that's awesome and you've written quite a few since then you're quite a writer and you have a podcast and I always am learning so much from the different things I haven't read that first book so I'm gonna to have to get a copy but I've read quite a few of your books maybe not all of them how many have you written Steve? well I've written six and so the one I'm just finishing off at the moment will be out next month it'll be number six Okay, yeah, and by the time we publish this, it will be out. We'll publish it right when yes, you're launching it will. It will and be out start mid mid May. Mid May, so I'm excited uh, to hear more about that. But wow, six books under your belt—that's uh, that's quite an accomplishment. And uh, it's a bit like right, like running a marathon. I'm a a runner, and uh, I think I've run eight half marathons. And each one under my belt is an accomplishment. So books are a bit like that as well. You've yeah. uh, run the marathon and you're you're at that finish line of seeing this new one released. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, yeah, well, I would love to, um, to mention a quote that's right in the first start of the book. Thank you for the advanced copy. But you talk about uh, the, the book is on the book of Acts and maybe you can tell us a little more why you chose the book of Acts and what kind of motivated you to write this book in particular at this time. But one of the quotes that really struck me when I first opened the book and started reading it was, you said, we tame Acts by rejecting its relevance. And um, I'd love for you to talk about what, what do you mean by that? How do we tame the book of Acts? And how is the book of Acts relevant to us today? Why is this book so important? Okay, well, and the book's called Acts and the Movement of God from Jerusalem to the Ends of the Earth. And I imagine when, when finally every people in every place has been reached and Jesus has returned, perhaps the, the book of Acts won't have any more relevance. Um, but until we get to that place, it's like the rest of scripture, it's vitally relevant. And the reason is, um, it's, it's not, it is solid historically. You know, Luke is a good historian, but he's not writing a history of the early church. If he does, why did he leave so much information out? He's not writing a biography of Peter or Paul. Um, who's he, what, who's he writing about? He's writing about God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And mm. so at the beginning of Acts, Luke says, you know, Theophilus, in my former book, his Gospel of Luke, 
you know, I taught you everything I told you about what Jesus began to do and teach. And what he's saying to Theophilus and every other reader, Acts is about what the risen Lord Jesus continues to do through his spirit-filled uh, messengers who carried the, the word to the ends of the earth. And so it's written, first of all, to show us who God is, what is what's his mission in the world, and then what's our part in it. So that's going to be uh, relevant till Jesus returns. Absolutely. And I think I've noticed there's a defense mechanism that sort of says, well, they made some mistakes and uh, it's a different world. We don't have to copy the early church. So that means we're never challenged or corrected by God's word. We never look into the word, like James says, and go away different because of the book of Acts. It's like we're confirmed in the rut in which we find ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. And I've heard a lot of people say those kinds of things. And, you know, if I'm completely honest, there have been times where that questions come up in my mind. Is this really possible today? You know, things are so different now. We have, you know, the internet, we have social media, we have different kinds of challenges than they faced in the book of Acts. How do I apply that? Is it really something that can happen today, the kinds of things that happen there. And I know those are questions that people ask. And I love how you begin well, and, to address that. Yeah. And Cynthia, we know that God's surprised by all of those things and overwhelmed by them. all the cultural <laughs> changes, the internet. He can't cope with that. Because <laughs> that's the message of the book of Acts. You know, you can have the whole Roman Empire, you can have the you know, historic Israel opposed to you, you can get persecuted and killed, <laughs> you know, all yeah. the, you can have no institutions whatsoever, just the word, the spirit, and the core missionary task, and the gospel's going to get out, disciples will be made, churches are formed. So yes, we can use the internet, and we can take a plane ride, we're probably, unless we're having a holiday, we won't go sailing, okay, but Take those minor methods out of the story. Do we need white hot faith? Do we need, you know, devotion to generosity, to love? Do we need boldness in persecution? Do we need um, a willingness to suffer for the sake of the gospel? Do we need, you know, all of these things that just permeate this book and we build this walls of protection that somehow it would critique the way we live and the way we do ministry and do church. So you start with Acts chapter 2, 36 to 47, and you give a group of new disciples those verses and ask them, what does it mean to be in community as a group of disciples? What qualities and functions and and activities um, demonstrate that this, this is the people of God. This is a, a, a New Testament church. And they'll tell you. They'll tell you. It's very clear. Say, well, it's right there. Yeah. But may, maybe just we don't need to love one another anymore or be generous to the <laughs> poor or, you know, commit ourselves to the apostles' teaching. You know, they're not relevant today. Well, that's so. 
So Luke is focused on the things that matter. Mm. And he's speaking, the Lord is speaking through him to every new generation. Before you move on, you return to true north, which mm. is uh, the book of Acts. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And I think that's so true. We we do, you know, we we struggle to, at least I struggle, let me use the I word here. I struggle at times to allow scripture to to speak to me and to allow my my life to be critiqued by scripture you know to allow that to happen because of fear you know we're afraid that it's gonna it's gonna show us up short that when we look at the book of acts it's so incredible it's so amazing i'm not doing those kinds of amazing things i'm not living in that place we can you know we can begin to feel like that and i know some of the people who are listening maybe when they read the book of acts there's times where they feel like I could never be like that. Like, I love that yeah. that happened in the Bible, but yeah. I could never they, be like, I could never do that. They need to find themselves in the book of Acts. Mm. because Talk more about that. Peter, Pete, well, Pete, Peter, trained by Jesus, chosen by Jesus. He's an apostle in a unique sense, filled with the spirit, preaches the first message that leads to the formation of uh, the church throughout Jerusalem. I mean, his credentials are pretty good. But you you get him 10 years later to that rooftop in Joppa or and then to Cornelius' house in Caesarea. Peter doesn't have a clue. Peter has, has not understood what Jesus commanded him to do when he said, go to the nations and disciple the nations, the ethne. And so big blind spots. Yeah. So the wonderful thing is the breakthrough didn't come because Peter had it all put together. The breakthrough Mm -hmm. came because Peter's on the road. You know, he's out ministry. He's not stuck in Jerusalem in his big office and his mega church and all of that. He's traveling around doing evangelism, making disciples, strengthening the the believers and the churches. So he's engaged. And when he needs to go a shift and then bring the whole church with him, God shows up. So who gets the gospel to the Gentiles? God does. Who comes up with the smart ideas? God does. So if you look at the book of Acts and you feel uh, incompetent, you feel frail, well, just have a look at the life of Peter or have a look at Paul. I mean, he was nothing until the Lord Jesus hit him on the back of the head on the Damascus Road with a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a persecutor of the church. So what we learn from Acts is God chooses unlikely people, gives, gives them a call and, and a part to play, and then he makes them fit for purpose. He gets them there. And even with all his gifts, and once he'd surrendered to Christ, you know, half the time Paul's on the run or in jail. Um, Mm. He is ministering in power out of a position of weakness. Mm. Mm. I mean, he can't even work out, where should I go? Why don't we try up here in Western Turkey and the spirit stops him? Well, no, his spirit stops him. And finally the vision comes. It's the Macedonian call. 
And even Paul, he's in deep dependence upon God's word and the Holy Spirit to fulfill the task. Yeah. So we'll, we just need eyes to see what Luke's saying to us. Amen. Yeah, that's right. And I, I love what you said. I, in fact, I want to repeat it. You said the one of the big messages of the book of Acts is that God uses unlikely people. He chooses mm. unlikely people and then he gets his work done through them. And there may be people who are listening right now and they think, I am like the least likely person to catalyze a movement of disciples in my area. I've got this issue, that issue, I have this problem. But like you said, Luke points us to the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, to Paul and Peter and these unlikely people, really, who Jesus chose and then he continued to use. And I just want to really highlight that for those who are listening. Um, God uses unlikely people. I'm one of those unlikely people. When I look at what God's done through my life, I just, I can hardly believe what he's done through somebody as frail and messed up sometimes, and, you know, with issues and mm -hmm. problems in my life, but he chose me and he's been willing to use me because I've just kept saying, yes, I want to be used by yes. you. And he's so, um, willing to work through those who make themselves available to him even though they're unlikely people and when his spirit comes yeah, and, and wow it's amazing a, what he a, can a, in one sense a likely person like paul you know he's fighting the battle with two hands tied behind him but literally he's chained or or he's on a sinking ship yeah. um you know or he's got a snake hanging off his arm in malta you know this is continual for paul and the same, it's the way of both the cross and the resurrection. So there's resurrection power and the reality of the cross overshadows our lives and ministry. And we're on this same journey Paul was on, same journey Jesus was on and Peter and all the great men and women of God through the ages. Um, and so what we're looking for at in Acts is an understanding of who God is, what his mission is, how he brings it about and how he chooses us and enables us to bear witness to the Lord Jesus. Mm, I love that. And um, you said early on in this interview, and I wrote it down because I was like, I, I want to ask more about that, that the book of Acts is about God. It's revealing yeah his character and him and he's working through his people but it really is about him and his work and uh so often when i've you know studied the book of acts maybe in bible college or different things we think of the book of acts as being about the church and the work of the church and um i love that you highlight it's really about god um anything more you want to say about that because i just thought that was such an important point and a, a bit of a shift in our thinking um, it really is about him and his work. Well, it's it's just seeing that the gospel advances often through suffering and persecution, through, you know, messengers that are buffeted by life. Hmm. And yet the living word of God, because the Acts is built around the spread of God's word. And the word spreads and multiplies applies and grows in strength i don't know how that happens you know but as the word goes out in the power of the holy spirit 
the fruit, the overflow of that are disciples and churches in every place to the glory of God. And so it is a real battle. We are buffeted. buffeted. You know, people die. <laughs> people get attacked. Um, people are in dangerous situations. And yet, you know, Jesus comes and stands by us. You know, how is it? I often thought, you know, would I be brave enough like Stephen to, to, to be stoned, to be, you know, martyred for the sake of the gospel? And you think, could you know, I project myself into that? Would I, if they tortured me, would I, you know, and all of this. And my focus is what I could summon up in terms of willpower. So we're in trouble. We're already in trouble. Okay. But why is Stephen triumphant as he dies? Because he, God grants him a vision of the risen Lord Jesus, standing at the right-hand side of the Father, standing because he's ready to be at Stephen's defense. He's ready to welcome him into glory. And Stephen is caught up in this vision of the Lord, of Je Lord Jesus. Now, it still hurt. <laughs> it was still a terrifying experience. But that's why he was able to forgive his persecutors. That's why he was able to, you know, just as Jesus did, to release his spirit to the Father and be welcomed into glory. So, yes, he was a brave man, but it's not about my willpower, my natural courage. It's, it's about the faithfulness of God, even in hardship. Mm -hmm. And like you said, his focus being on Jesus and he was caught up into Jesus. And I think that's, that's so much of the key, isn't it, in our lives that as we're caught up into him, those impossible things become possible and we start doing impossible things that we never dreamed that we could do as we're caught up into him and into his presence and we see him in new ways. And I think the book of Acts gives us the opportunity to do that, as does your book. Um, Steve so thank you so much for writing it and uh, really appreciate the the insights that it brings one of the things that you're so good at doing is telling stories and the book is full <laughs> of commentary and insights on the book of Acts but it also includes stories that illustrate the things that you're seeing in the book of Acts in real life today current stories um, would you tell us maybe one or two of the stories that you included in the book uh, so that we can be inspired by those and encouraged today. Sure. Well, I'll, I'll tell you one from uh, the two-thirds world, uh, from Mumbai, and, and, and one from Los Angeles in uh, the Western worlds. So the one in Mumbai is the um, Hilltop of Hope Ministry. They're not just rescuing young girls and women uh, out of the, the sex slavery, and many of these folks are uh, women are uh, from Nepal they're not just resting them they're coming to know Christ they're forming communities for discipleship and worship and 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 discovery studies in the word of God they're ministering to one another churches are being formed not just within the red light district but uh, back in Nepal as some of the women return home if they're able to and in the safe houses where some of them need to find refuge so then they're, they're not uh, recaptured 
And just to sort of picture 20 or 30 of these women in, you know, in the same, some of them are still uh, living, uh, they're out of that, that background, but they're, they're just living in, in Christian community together, right in the midst of this darkness. And they're being the, the salt and light. They're rescuing others, not just some of the former um, prostitutes, but even uh, they've had on two occasions uh, women who were madams. They, they were actually running the brothels, have come to know Jesus and turned away from their wow. sin and, and been welcomed into the community. And, you know, it's it, just the dignity that comes that you're not just a victim that we've rescued, but you've come to know the King of Kings and you are his daughter. And now you have this precious, this, this treasure of the gospel that you're able to minister and share with others and you're able to walk with others in discipleship. So, you know, it's just a wonderful story that came out of one of the podcasts and a couple of the podcasts and then found its way into the, the book of Acts. Because, you know, obviously in, in Philippi, you know, one of the people who are set free in, in that city is uh, a girl that had been uh, sold into slavery in, in fortune telling. And uh, we don't know what happened beyond that, but we know this is God's heart. In India and Nepal, of course, I've worked in India for 14 years and lived in Nepal for 10. So love hearing stories about Nepali women that are being rescued and delivered, transformed, and even going back to their villages in Nepal. Mm. Um, you know, one of the things that I saw when I was working in Nepal and working in India and, it, and even here in Thailand, where I currently live, is sometimes the book of Acts felt more real. You know, it, yes. it because you are dealing with things that are more common, especially in Nepal, you know, where there's so much yeah. animal sacrifice and mm -hmm. things that, you know, idolatry and idols and temples mm -hmm. and things that really are very similar to the context that Paul was walking in when he spoke to that woman and um, set her free, you know, and she was delivered out of that uh, trafficked situation. Um, so I'm glad you said you wanted to talk about mm -hmm. Los Angeles as well, because I know a lot of people do say, you know, well, the book of Acts is relevant for them. It's maybe relevant mm -hmm. in places like Nepal or India, but what does it mean for us in Los Angeles, which you're just about to tell mm -hmm. a story from that. Um, what does it mean for me in Minnesota, which is where I'm from and my home area is how, how in the world, you know, we do have sex trafficking, we do have people who have issues, yeah. but can those things happen here? So I just wanted to, to preface mm. that before you tell oh. your story. Yeah. Well, it, it starts with, um, uh, just a, a, a family, a couple, uh, friends of mine, Troy and Rachel Cooper, they have a big advantage in evangelism because they have seven kids who, of course, all have their relationships and relationships with people's parents and all of that. They're down the skate park or wherever they might be. They're at the school. Um, and so Troy and Rachel moved from, from uh, Florida to into uh, Southern California 
in that sort of greater LA region. And immediately they start connecting with neighbors, with school friends, down the skate park. And it's not just when Troy goes down there with his, uh, uh, I don't know, probably four, four sons and a couple of daughters to go down to the skate park. A crowd when he goes there, huh? Yeah, well, and those kids are having fun, but his kids are also sharing the gospel. They're also inviting people, would you like to read the Bible together and, and, and find out how to follow Jesus? That's happening all the time because Troy and Rachel have modeled it in their family life, in their home, and they've also expressed their confidence in their kids. Um, who've been able to lead others to Christ. One of, one of them, when he was 10 years old, taught me how, how to visit homes in the community in, 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 uh, in Leicester in the UK. He and Troy came across and he knew how to go door to door at 10 and just offer that. prayer, share something with people. I love that, yeah. So they had gathered, uh, it's called Movement Church, a, a, a small church in their home with uh, different co-workers and some new disciples from the community. COVID hit. Um, and uh, rather than see, well, you know, <laughs> we better, we, we can't do anything now. You know, they began looking to see what God was up to. And one of the things was the spontaneous um, gatherings for worship down on the coast in Orange, I think it was on Orange County, places where the Jesus Revolution had begun, and thousands were gathering in the open air, um, and work, some were worshiping, um, some some were turning and believing and being baptized in the ocean. So Troy's down there with his. Uh, some of the people from Movement Church and connecting and finding out where people are at, leading some to Christ, baptizing them there on the spot. And then, you know, along came Shane, and he's a fairly new believer with two friends. And um, so Troy and his team baptized the two friends. Shane had already been baptized. And then he just said, well, what's, what's next? How are you going to learn? to follow the Lord Jesus in discipleship. And they said, oh, what do we do? He said, well, we'd like to walk Wait, with you. So you mean they don't just give him, you know, the most nearby local church and sign him up to go be a church member? Well, take, take a photo for the newsletter. Right, right. <laughs> they didn't do that? <laughs> no, they, they talked about discipleship. And, you know, it was uh, summer break. These were college students. So Troy just said, well, you know, you, you've got some time on your hand. How about we go back to someone's house and we'll take you through first lesson in discipleship. And then the next day they gathered and they took them through the second and the third and they kept going just in a discovery approach, but looking at passages about baptism or what repentance is or loving one another. What does it mean to be the people of God in community together? So the whole time, they're modeling for these three, for Shane, who's emerged as the leader, this is what disciples do. Mm. And um, so they got together, Shane and his two friends, and said, well, why don't we have a worship night at our place in the backyard? 
you know, let's invite everyone we know from high school days and college, get on social media and just see who turns up. And Troy thought, oh, I don't know if it's a very good idea, not sure if it's legal, but, you know, let's see what happens. Well, over 30 people turned up wow. from their past and current friends. And Troy had practiced with Shane beforehand what he might say to that group of people. Mm -hmm. And he practiced with Shane and the two friends how to baptize someone. Mm -hmm. And that night, four of the 30 people turned and believed on the Lord Jesus and were baptized. And the next day, Shane and his two friends met with them for discipleship. So and now... Who baptized them? Shane and the two new believers. <laughs> you know, Wait a minute. Believers for a couple your, of your friend Troy didn't baptize them? No, he, how he long just showed them how. how long <laughs> In fact, I think it was I think it was Troy's kids who taught them how to baptize. And by the way, these kids now are teenagers and young adults, you know. Right, um, right. But how how long had Shane been a believer when he was baptized? Uh, it was about 18 months um, since he turned to the Lord when someone offered prayer for him and there was healing in his life. But these two girls, uh, it was just a matter of a couple of weeks. Right. Um, wow. So right from the beginning, they're casting vision for these new disciples to make disciples and what it means to be Christian community together. Mm. Because now they visited once Movement Church, but Troy and Rachel and the team had been with them and taught them how do we worship? How do we dive into the word together? How do we love one another? How, how are we going to be generous? How are we going to make disciples? They're teaching and casting vision for Christian community right from the beginning. So, you know, forming community is not a nice added extra to discipleship. It's integrated. It's two sides of the same coin. So when their friends turn and believe, the next thing they do after they start discipleship is they form Zeal Church. And today, this has only happened in the last 12 or 18 months. Today, there's about 30 or 40 people who are part of the life of Zeal Church. And Zeal Church has planted another church on a university, on a college campus for, mm. for, for students. So that's wow. three generations of churches. But that's just one stream that Troy and Rachel have been involved in. Since in, in the last two years, they've seen over 30 new churches form with many of them, large percentage of new disciples in community um, in the last couple of years in the sort of greater LA area. And those sorts of things you could look at it and you say, it's pretty, you know, it's a few hundred people, Steve, you know, okay, they got one of 50 people. That's a tiny little church. Well, this network of disciples and churches now is sending workers who got their start locally. They're sending workers to the ends of the earth. And mm -hmm. I know one couple in one of the stands in Central Asia, you know, right. who, who are learning language and, They've already got a group of new disciples that they're meeting uh -huh. with and they're training and mobilizing locals. So this that is what we forget. This is like what a movement looks like. Yes. You know, 
yeah. it's, it's often under the surface and then it pops up and you think, where did that come from? Well, a lot of these things are happening, happening simultaneously mm -hmm. under the surface. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I love that story. I love that it happened in the United States where I happen to be from. And um, it's amazing what God is doing through people who will just simply look for an opportunity, you know, okay, COVID is going on. We can't do what we normally did, but what can we do? They go out, they start partnering with God and what he's doing. And then boom, they meet Shane, things begin to move forward. And I, one of the things that stood out to me in your, in the story was the immediate obedience. They didn't wait. They immediately you know, started discipling and they disciple daily, as we see in the book of Acts, you know, and often when yeah. someone comes to faith, we don't start that immediate discipleship or we don't invest that time in the early days to really spend time with them and train them and get them to begin immediate obedience as well in their lives. That's one of those characteristics that stands out of disciple making movements and the movements that are spreading around the world is immediate implementation or obedience to Christ's yes. commands, whatever you learn in scripture, you immediately start to apply it and immediately start to share it with others as Shane did. And uh, things just sort of cascade from there, don't they? As we, um, they do. as we and, do well. But you know, in, in, in a year into the process, they ran into some rough water and um, mm. there was conflict within the community and it it really was a very difficult time for a number of months mm. but troy and and others from movement church stuck close to shane and 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 the others and helped them walk the community zeal church through that whole experience and they've come out the other side and they're doing mm. well and doing strong so the enemy will hit back um but we rub new believers, committed disciples of the opportunity to learn the hard lessons mm -hmm. uh, and or we, we give them that challenge and then desert them, you know, and, and we wonder why, why they've, they've crashed out as well. So they stay closed, um, but then there comes a time that Zeal Church is now ascending church and, and, and Shane is, is discipling other leaders. Yeah. That's what movements do at their heart. And it's, it's totally universal. You could change the language and a few bits and pieces here, a bit of culture and all of that, but they're going to face pretty much the same problems, you know, and it is happening everywhere. This is happening in the prison system of Rio de Janeiro. There are movements amongst in the, one of the darkest places in the world and outside in the favelas. It's, it's happening on, you know, the high-tech sort of district of London uh, amongst uh, professionals. It's, it's happening uh, in bombed-out Ukraine. There, there are, there, there's a real movement of God under the surface there. It's mm -hmm. happening right across Africa. And there are problems. There are issues. But that's true of the New Testament as well as every other form of church. Yeah, but that's right. it's, it's a wonderful thing to see what God's doing across the world. Yeah, amen. I love that. And um, I have the privilege, you have the privilege of being up front, getting a chance to meet people 
um, who are launching movements, coaching people who are starting movements. But a lot of people have never even encountered anyone who's seen these kinds of things that you and I have seen or experienced ourselves. And uh, it's, it's so good that they can read those stories in your book um, and uh, come to know, you know, what God is doing around the world. It really is something he's all about. And uh, they are increasing rapidly. Uh, more and more movements are popping up around the world. Wherever people say it can't happen here, it seems to be like God's shining the light right there and saying, okay, let me show you how I can do. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm the same here as I am there. And God can work anywhere because it's his word. It's the book of Acts. It's his word being expressed through his people. And um, I know that there might be people who think, wow, that's amazing. That happened even in California and that's happening in India, but I'm not sure it can happen here. But I, I want to I be encouraged and encourage them that God can do this through you. He can, he can launch a movement of disciples through you as well. And I want to encourage you to get Steve's book. Um, tell us, Steve, how do people get a copy of your book? Yeah, uh, well, um, it certainly will be available on Amazon and it'll be available in bookstores or if it's not uh, people, it, it can be ordered in. Um, but Probably for those certainly in the US, um, Amazon will be one of the easiest ways to either to get the electronic version or the print version. Um, sure. If people want to find out more and just be in touch about the book, then uh, they can go to movements.net. That's my website and blog where the podcast is and there'll be updates about the book at movements.net movements.net awesome well we will also put the amazon link in the show notes here as well and uh, be sure that people can connect to this book i've already got an advanced copy so i guess i'm a little lucky there but i know that um yeah people will want to pick up a book and again i want to encourage you when i read through this book i read it with my bible open i read the book of acts again and i read steve's book again and it was just um they go hand in hand you you can't read one without the other or you can read the bible without steve's book i guess but i encourage you to read it with his book you're gonna so. get a lot more out of it and um you're gonna be blessed so i hope you'll pick up um, a copy of that and connect with steve he's got a great podcast amazing stories from around the world as well and uh, Steve, such a joy to have you on today. Thank you for making time. And uh, yeah, God bless you and the things that you're doing. And, and may this book encourage many, many around the world. Thank you, Cynthia. Making disciples and sharing Jesus with those around you can be difficult. We need help to keep our faith alive as we step out to do new things. Faith to Move Mountains, Stirring Our Faith to Believe for Movements Among the Unreached is a 30-day devotional that will encourage your heart and build your faith. In it, I and my co-author, Kevin Sutter, share a scripture, a story, and a challenge each day from years of frontline experience working in tough places. Like I said, making disciples can be hard, progress is often slow, and breakthroughs seem distant. This devotional will kickstart your faith for a movement of disciples in your area. Grab a copy on Amazon.com today. Let's do a quick recap of this amazing interview that we just heard with Steve Addison. I want to just highlight a couple of key points that I hope you caught. 
The first was, and I quoted this at the beginning, we tame the book of Acts by rejecting its relevance. And Acts is all about God, Steve said. It's, it's written to show us who God is and what his mission is in the world and our part in it. It's not even about the church, but it's about the revelation of God. Steve exhorted us to find ourselves in the book of Acts, that as we look at Peter and Paul, it's not about perfect people, but it's about God finding even the most unlikely people and giving them a part to play, and then how he gets them there. He helps them to fulfill the things that he's calling them to. Steve talked about both the way of the cross and the way of resurrection and how they play out in our lives and how the gospel advances through messengers, chosen messengers who are buffeted by life. Do you ever feel buffeted by life? I know I do. I could relate to that. And yet Jesus comes and stands by us in the midst of that hardship and that buffeting and that struggle that we go through. He talked about how as we are caught up in Jesus, the impossible becomes possible. Amen. The impossible becomes possible. Let's be caught up into Jesus. Let's fix our eyes on him and see who he is afresh as we look at the book of Acts and as we look at the Bible today. Then he talked about in the stories how forming community and multiplication were integrated into what it means to be a disciple and follower of Jesus. They weren't separate things. It wasn't like they made disciples or they evangelize people and then they form communities. No, it was integrated right into that process. And lastly, he talked about how immediate obedience and discipleship is a key to greater multiplication. I've got an action step for you as I always do. Your action step is to, to do that, to whether you buy Steve's book or not, uh, maybe it's available, maybe it's not where you're at, but whether you buy that book or not, open up the book of Acts this week and look for who you are in that book. Look for yourself in Peter and Paul and the others who are there in the book of Acts. Maybe you're one of those unlikely people, but God has great things for you and he's chosen you to bear much fruit. That's all we've got for this episode of the Dare to Multiply podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, on Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you tune in to listen. Also, make sure to link up with us at dmmsfrontiermissions.com blog on social media, and please just share, share, share this podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. Until next time, remember... God's dreams for us are always bigger than we can imagine.